Well, if you were with us for our Christmas Eve service, uh, you saw us, we lit the Advent candles, and, and if you weren't, we went through and we lit all four, and we kind of reviewed what we talked about throughout Advent, but just as a quick reminder and recap, so the first week of Advent, we talked about the hope that we have in Christ. We talked about the second coming of Christ and how that teaches us that even in Advent as we're waiting for birth, we can learn from that as we continue to await Christ's return and what we can do in those days. Second week, we talked about peace and that John just told us to prepare the way of the Lord, to prepare His coming, and that the way that we do that is being peacemakers in the world, that the high places are made low and the valleys are filled in and things are smoothed out, that we don't cause chaos, but rather that as peacemakers, we are bringing the way of the Lord. Then the third week, we talked about joy and the fact that we can have joy in the fact that through Christ's coming, that the fire and judgment is not our only option. And that's good news. We can have joy and live in joy to know that we have another option, and that's reconciliation with God, and that that can last and give us eternal life. Then last week, Pastor Juventino preached about the love of Christmas and how Christmas is all about reconciliation and coming back together and, and grabbing that person that you've, you've kind of drifted from or you've done wrong this year and grabbing them and saying, I forgive you, or asking for forgiveness. And that through that, the true spirit of Christmas reigns. But you see, when we left here Friday night, this center candle wasn't lit. Because this is the Christ candle. But today, it's lit. Because Christ has come just as God promised. So, today we celebrate the fact that we've completed this journey through Advent, but yet the Christ candle is lit. And that Christ is with us and dwelling among us. And I have to ask, aren't you glad today that Christ has been born? I am too. Considering how long ago Jesus was born, it's pretty amazing to me that we have as many details as we do about the birth of this baby, right? I mean, think about it. How many of you can even remember what you ate two weeks ago for lunch? Even yesterday for lunch. It was Christmas, but still, that can be tough. Even if we looked back at our personal prayer journals, there will be notes in there from years ago that we have no idea what we were even thinking about or praying about in that moment, but we wrote it down because that's what was going on at the time. Yet we get all of these details from the birth of this child, someone born 2,000 years ago. And I'm thankful that somebody wrote that down, that more than one person wrote that down. It's kind of interesting to think about the fact that, that we don't really have much detail on Jesus' life between his birth and his baptism. There's not much there. We get his birth, and then it seems like we jump to his baptism, and then his ministry starts, and it's just one thing after another once we get there. But it's a pretty big gap. And there are books that were written in that time period um, that have records of Jesus' life as a child and growing up, but the accuracy of those books just was kind of in question and there wasn't enough evidence really for the, the church at an early age to say, yes, we think this is scripture and that it's important. So, so we, don't, we can read some of those, but we don't take that as scripture. We don't know those to be true. But today our text gives us one of those only accounts of Jesus between his birth and his baptism. 
So we know at this point that, that Jesus was circumcised on the eighth day, as was Jewish custom, and, and that's the day that his name was officially given to him, Jesus, just as the angel told him. And we know that Jesus, because of his Jewish culture and customs, is, as soon as he could understand, he became a student of Torah and began to study the Old Testament books and the law and, and what that meant. So we know that he's already in that period of his life. But we're going to pick up today in Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 41. So the same uh, chapter that Luke writes his account of the birth, we pick up in Luke chapter 2, verse 41. I invite you to stand with me this morning uh, as I read this aloud in honor of the Lord's word. Now his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover. And when he became twelve, they went up there according to the custom of the feast. And as they were returning, after spending the full number of days, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem, but his parents were unaware of it, but supposed him to be in the caravan, and went a day's journey, and they began looking for him among their relatives and acquaintances. When they didn't find him, they returned to Jerusalem looking for him. Then after three days, they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the teachers, both listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. When they saw him, they were astonished. And his mother said to him, Son, why have you treated us this way? Behold, your father and I have been anxiously looking for you. And he said to them, Why is it that you were looking for me? Do you not know that I had to be in my father's house? But they did not understand the statement which he had made to them. And he went down with them and came to Nazareth. And he continued in subjection to them. And his mother treasured all of these things in her heart. And Jesus kept increasing in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and men. This is the word of the Lord and we say thanks be to God. You can be seated. Is there anyone here today that would admit that growing up, you were a goody two-shoes? I have to raise my hand on this. There's a couple. You know, it, 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 it's not that you didn't know that there were bad things out there, but they were just like never an option. Like, it, your brain couldn't fathom, you know, mom saying, don't eat the cookies, and you, you, you just, it was fact, you didn't eat the cookies, or getting into certain things, you know, it just, you knew it was possible and you knew that other people did it, but it was never tempting, just never a thing for you. As soon as I got to the point where I could attend school without dying, and I won't tell you what age that was, <laughs> almost, let's just say I had teachers at one point that were very southern, and my nickname was Crying Ryan. For a long, long time. And actually, yesterday my mom said something about me crying all the time. I don't remember what we were talking about, but she made the comment. She said, but I knew I had to do it. I had to just keep dropping you off and leaving you and letting you get it out of your system. Because I would hate to cry in front of you while I preach today. But I thank mom that she did that. But I was even afraid to accidentally step out of line at school. Because I knew that if I had to pull a stick, 
the world would end. You know, you remember, you pull a stick, you go from green to yellow, and then, you know, it just, I thought it would be the end of the world. Now, I'm not suggesting that Jesus was a goody two-shoes, because we don't really have enough details. But the text does tell us today in verse 44 that his parents assumed that he was with the group. I mean, think about that. He's 12 years old. This is a yearly trip that they make. So Jesus was kind of used to this. He knew the deal. He, he knew how it worked. When everybody packs up, you gather up your things and you get in the group. I'm sure several of you today have stories of losing your kid in a grocery store or losing your kid in a theme park, leaving him at church, get to the restaurant, and you didn't bring him? Oh, I thought you were bringing him. I don't remember who it was, but somebody told me not to... Oh, I heard a a pastor preaching um, a completely different sermon, but he told the story of he was at a theme park as a kid and he got lost... And he was wise enough to know to stay in one spot. He said, so I found a bench and just sat there. Because he knew if he went around looking for his parents, that they would, they'd just keep missing each other. And so he stayed in one spot and he was finally found. But I'm sure all of you that are parents have done that. Or as a kid, you remember crying in the grocery store and having them paid your parents. Well... You know, kids, you can have them right next to you, you blink and they're gone. I vividly remember as a child being at family gatherings and we'd be at one of my cousin's house and it would be time to go and we didn't want to go. We, wasn't, we didn't want to leave. So I can vividly remember hiding in closets, hiding under beds, you know, because my cousins and I, we were all close, but we didn't get to see each other all that often. So when we did, we just wanted to eat up every second of it. And I remember one time being in my aunt's house in Stone Mountain, and we were, the kids were upstairs playing around, the adults are all downstairs talking, and, and we did, we hid in the closet or something, and, uh, and, you know, the parents called down, Ryan, Lauren, let's go, and it, you know, you, that, that never means it's time to leave, right? Because they're adults, if you stay upstairs, they'll keep talking, you get a few more minutes. Well, eventually we hid, and, uh, and, and the whole mood changes when you hear the steps start, the feet on the steps start coming up, right? You, event, you immediately regret your decision and realize that this is going to be bad. Your joy quickly turns to fear, and ultimately, this always just led to a few more minutes at the house we wanted to stay at, but it added punishment to the evening, right? We went from a good family get-together to now being in trouble. We were good kids, we just thought we belonged somewhere other than what our parents thought. Just makes sense. Have you ever known a child through that stage in their life where all they do is ask questions? You know, they finally get old enough and, and the best phrase is they just look at you and they say, Why? And then depending on what age you are, it doesn't matter what answer you give them, their next question is, But why? But Why? But why? It's cute when they're little, but once they're old enough to know better, it's rather annoying when they keep asking and they just get on your nerves. In which case, punishment, again, probably follows. But today we see Jesus question his parents at the age of 12. And that's kind of that prime age where sarcasm and disrespect walk a very fine line, you know? 
Jesus' question is, didn't you know I would be in my Father's house? And, you know, I can't really imagine Jesus saying this with attitude. I think he was generally concerned, like, Mom, Dad, didn't you know? I I read it more as Jesus was asking this in sincerity. He figured it was obvious where he would be. It just made sense. Where else was he supposed to be? You see, Jesus thought he and his parents were on the same track. And they were for the most part. But in this moment, they were a little disconnected. I think we can all relate to that. You've had a conversation with somebody and walked away and thought, okay, my house at 6 p.m. on Friday. And you're at your house at 6 p.m. on Friday with the meal ready. And they're at their house at 6 p.m. on Friday with the meal ready. And just something, something gets mixed up. Much like when you're having a conversation with a teenager and you're on the same page and doing good and then they use a slang word or phrase that you have no idea what it means and they walk away and you're just lost. You thought you were on the same page and at the end of the conversation you don't even know what you were just talking about. The teen is probably not leaving you out of the loop on purpose but rather they're just assuming that you're up to date on these things as well as you should be. We get the same feeling when someone references a movie that we've never seen. And all of a sudden, we just kind of feel awkward. We don't get it. One of the things I want to pull out of this text for us today is is Mary's response. Mary's response to this young Jesus, who even though he's been born for 12 years, it's obvious that she is still unsure of what it means to be the mother of the Messiah. I mean... There's no how-to book about this. She thought Jesus was being disobedient. She did. But if we back even further from before we read, in Luke chapter 2, verse 19, this is the birth narrative. And in the midst of the birth in the stable and the shepherds coming to welcome the king of kings, what does the scripture say? It says that Mary pondered All of these things in her heart. She didn't let this sacred moment pass without recognizing what God was up to. Now she didn't understand it in fullness, but she knew that God had said this would happen and it's going on in her midst. She didn't want to miss out. Then at the end of the text today in verse 51, Mary kept all of these things in her heart. She was soaking in the fact that she was learning about God from her 12-year-old son who she knew the word made flesh. She could have easily traveled back to Nazareth embarrassed and fuming with rage for her son who made them waste valuable time in coming back to get him. Yet she is truly soaking it in. And she's contemplating, what is God up to? There were many people in these days in the New Testament that saw Jesus, but they were waiting for the Messiah still. And they missed it. They were too busy about their lives, working and taking care of their families. Every year around this time, I hear from someone that it just doesn't feel like Christmas this year. And there's lots of reasons for that. That's not a bad thing to say. But in the same way that people in the New Testament actually met Jesus and were still awaiting the Messiah, here we are today, knowing that the Savior that we have waited for all throughout Advent, is in our midst. 
And we begin to wonder sometimes, but why doesn't it feel like Christmas? Let me guarantee you something. God has done God's part in making it feel like Christmas. The Savior is born. And we often get so busy that we're not able to slow down, shut our mouths, and listen and look for God with us. There's one more reference to Mary pondering all these things in her heart in the Gospel of Luke. But you see, Luke doesn't give us the detail to know if it's Mary, the mother of Jesus, or not. But I think there's a reason why this woman had the same name. There's something about Mary in Scripture and being able to pause and listen and watch as God is working. And that text comes, as many of you know, in the time of Jesus coming to the house of Mary and Martha. And as Jesus approaches and sits down, Martha is busy, 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 trying to make the house look good for the Lord. And she gets kind of perturbed because there sits Mary at the feet of Jesus, soaking it all in. And now there's not a right or wrong way. I'm not saying Mary was more right than Martha, but here again we find a woman named Mary at the feet of Jesus, listening, paying attention, and asking, what is God doing here? Well, God is here. Get out a a pencil and a pen in your quiet time and begin to take notes on how the Savior of the world is present even today. This is something that I've just recently begun doing because I've had so many people tell me in your quiet time, in your devotional time, keep a journal, write things down. There's something about making it come to paper that just helps you think about it and engage with it more and what God is doing. We want to be on the same page with what Jesus is doing in the world. Because if we're not, we show up where he is, and we're going to ask him in the same way Mary did. What in the world are you doing? His parents couldn't find it, but he was right where he needed to be. The people of the New Testament couldn't find him on a throne or in a government office because he was right where he was supposed to be. In the homes of sinners and the outcasts, proclaiming the good news of redemption for all. In church, I believe when we ponder these things in our hearts, we no longer walk around angry at God for not doing things our way, but we walk through life crying out to God to open our eyes to see what Jesus is doing today. Mary didn't get it. Yeah, the angel came and told her that she was going to birth a son and name him Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us. But our text today shows us that even 12 years after he's born, Mary still didn't fully get it. And I stand before you today, church, saying that I don't fully get it. I don't fully understand what God is up to. But we can learn from Mary today to be quiet. To stop complaining. Can you imagine if Mary had complained in the birth narrative? I think Luke would have wrote it down if she did. But no room in a nicer place. And Jesus is born in this cave and put in a stable. And 
But the text tells us that in the midst of that chaos, she pondered those things. And she watched as God was doing something. So today, that's my challenge for us. As we continue to celebrate in the weeks to come, that the Messiah has come to us, that we would have open eyes, open hearts, that God would open our eyes to see what God is doing so that we don't go off into the world and then ask, Jesus, where are you? What are you doing? But I think Jesus wants us to know that I'm still Emmanuel. I am still God with you. You just have to calm down and pay attention. Let's pray together. Father, today in these last few moments, we give you praise. We thank you again for the way in which you came that was truly holy. It was unlike any other God that had ever been or tried. And Lord, we know that's what makes you the one true God and King over all. Lord, as we have busy days to come, as we continue to celebrate holidays with family and friends, Lord, would you help us to pause each and every day and to recognize that that we're not searching for your coming, but that you truly are Emmanuel, God already with us present now today. We know you're coming in fullness, but help us to see what you're doing now. Open our eyes, open our hearts, so that we could better listen for what you would have for us, that we wouldn't complain about why you're not doing this or that, but that we would know for a fact what you are doing. And that is redemption and wholeness and healing in our lives and our families and in our community. And we give you praise for that today. Lord, bless us this day. Keep us as we go. Help us to know that you are the Messiah. It's in your precious name. Amen. Would you stand with me and sing just one simple chorus? Oh, come let us adore him. Oh, come let us adore him. Oh, come let us adore him, Christ the Lord. Would you go from this place today as people that adore the one Messiah who is Emmanuel, God with us. Amen. Go in his grace and peace today.